right, so Manny and Justin, it was a weekend of derbies and crazy comebacks. Um, but, you know, the, the crazy thing is we're not going to talk about those comebacks. We're going to talk about mainly the derbies, Liverpool losing uh, for the first time, I think this season, actually. Uh, and, of course, we have the Milan Derby. Xavi has officially been presented at Barcelona. Um, and then there is something going on in Newcastle. They've hired Eddie Howe. Uh, just so many things we're going to talk about today, but we have to start with the Manchester Derby. And, boy, what a what a game. What a game. Um, I think there are a lot of positives in this game, and I just want to call out my positives because I have to call out my positives in this game. And that's really with one player, the maestro of the EPL. And I think you know where this is going. It's Fred. all about Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne was phenomenal. I mean, I could see flashes of the Kevin De Bruyne I knew. Um, but what a game. I, and I, I, I got I to gotta give a shout out to, to Cancelo. Uh, what a player. But before I, I get too excited, let's start with the lineups and what happened tactically and understanding, especially, uh, you know, if we are in Ole's sit, uh, seat, are we going to be doing three in the back versus like just playing it normal and playing it how God intended, intended which is the 4-4-2 formation? Um, I think that's where we have to start. I think we have to start with Ole's choice in the beginning. I think I think we saw a 3-5-2 lineup, which theoretically makes sense. You know, maybe you want to leverage Shaw and you want to leverage Juan Bissaka, who, I mean, is not really, if he's just a defender, he's not a, a, an attacker. But I think I couldn't just go away from the fact that you have Varane out, injured, um, and then you decide to play three centre-backs that you know that, you know, two of them are not solid. Um, and I just don't understand. I think that's where I'm really shocked. And and you both have watched more EPL games this season than I have. But can you can either of you just help me explain why Ole is switching from a three in the back to a four in the back? To me, it seems like a lot of just confusion and doesn't understand what's going on. I mean, am I am I wrong here? No, probably not. I mean, <laughs> three at the back worked for him against Spurs. And then they were able to just squeak by with Atalanta at midweek, get a draw out of that one. And so I think it's really just as simple as, well, those look more like more positive results than, you know, the Liverpool or Leicester game. So let's stick with the three at the back, regardless of who's actually available for selection. That's just to me, me, at least. Can you remind me, does, was Varane even at, during, was he there at the, uh, the Tottenham game? I think he definitely was there at Atalanta, I know. But did he play during the Tottenham game? Because I think that's um, my, my qualm here. He, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, Varane played in that game, and they played a three-five-two. Yeah. Right. So, and so, we should also we should stop saying it's not really a three-five-two. It's a five-three-two. Right. You know. <laughs> you know Shaw and Wambasaka are not gonna like. They're you know they're, they're they're quality players. They they have the ability to go for, but that's not really what they're known for. Right. They're they're much more defensive, and they're typical roles that's a good that's a good call out I, li- I like that Justin I like that because uh you know Chelsea plays a true true three in the back three five two system so I like that you made that that distinction between the two 
Yeah, there's a world of difference between well, let's be serious, uh, Juan Basaka and Reese James, uh, the threat that they pose. So I agree there, but but are, are you telling me that, I mean, of course, any team that plays three in the back, when they're defending, it's a five. But are you just saying that because they were mostly pressured by by Manchester City, which, which is very, I mean, let's be, be honest, they, they keep the possession, they always uh, they always attack every time, but... You can't tell me that he's not thinking like, well, I can leverage Shaw and I can leverage Juan Bissaka to feed in, you know, Greenwood and, and, and Ronaldo. I mean, it, it, like, I'm trying to understand, are we just saying that because the teams they've played are attacking teams? Or are we just saying that because truly maybe Ole doesn't know exactly what he's doing and he's just playing five in the back? Because there's no way Ronaldo will consent to that, right? Um, I, I'm more so like, I mean, like, even when they go forward, like they're not as a, those wingers, Sean and Wambasaka are not as aggressive, you know, they, they don't, they don't fully exploit, uh, the space down the wing, you know, like Greenwood, for instance, who is paired with Ronaldo, he has a much more freedom to go out wide as like, you know, as being one of the front men. So, you know, it's not, it's not like they're not using it for attacking purposes but it's it's you know it's just a difference it's the same formation on paper but it's different in its implementation between what manchester united do and what teams like chelsea to use that as the example how they use those um those wingers those wing backs i think one thing that stood out to me too was uh i think i was in the commentary saying by this was his first start in the EPL, I know he's played, I think, in in uh, in Europe or or maybe during the Carabao Cup or whatever, which I, I think they're out in the Carabao Cup. Um, I, I I just I struggle to I struggle to understand why Ole thinks that was a good idea against a team like City. Um, and um, see, the, the own goal was unfortunate. Let's be honest; like we can't we can't blame Bayi for that. Um, but the own goal was unfortunate. Um, the other thing I want to call out is, have we noticed that De Gea really steps up when United is doing very poorly? I mean, he, I mean, for me, was the man of the match for for uh, for United. I mean, look, I mean, uh, are, are, are we, is he back? Because that was a phenomenal. I mean, okay, barring the second goal, but that was a, a classic performance by 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 De Gea. He kept them in, uh, definitely, like, in the game. Um, I think a, a different goalkeeper, this would have been, like, easily, like, a 4-5-0 performance. Um, he had some amazing saves in there. Um, the one thing that I, I do want to call out is, you, you, you know, Bori, you, going back to the question you just posed, is, is this, like, you know, Maguire, Lindelof, Baez fall in the back. No, because you know Veron, they brought him in for a reason, right? They they try to shore up that back line, and he's been hurt. But the problem also is in the selection of the players, the three players that sit in front of that of that back line of five. And I think that's where the biggest, I, I think, um, question for Ole sits in is in that midfield pairing of a Fred well, McTominay and a Fernandez and I'm looking at yeah. Fred sp- specifically um I I don't understand with it's it's not like they don't have the quality or depth at midfield it's just 
it's baffling the choices that are made for the you know for who starts in in that in that okay we've said for a while we've said for a while right that that that's the weak spot i mean yep there's a lot of weak spots but like that's the one that's most glaring in this from the start of the season um that's what's looked most glaring for them Okay, so so one thing I, I would like to understand is last season, I think maybe this is where we need to bring in a, a Manchester United expert, but last season wasn't Fred the main midfielder apart from obviously, you know, uh, um, uh, Bruno Fernandes, but, but talking about defensively, at least, uh, it, it was him and McTominay. So what could be the difference between this season and last season? Um, you're talking about, okay, fine, maybe we could put Matic there. Then we're talking about, you know, you're losing the pace, but you're getting more technicality, right? So I don't, I'm not saying that it's not a problem. I just don't understand what could be different between last season and this season, between in, in that midfield. To me, the midfield, the midfield is bad. Yeah, it, it is, it, it is their weak point. But what's the difference between last season? How can it be worse, you know? The rest with, of the team got more. better. The rest of the league. One, the rest of the league got better, I think. Two, just... Uh, I mean, like, they, that midfield pairing wasn't, like... You know, it, it didn't look great, really, last year. I mean, they, they were just... They were adequate. I mean, if we remember over the summer, the big move that was being teased on and off during the Euros was Declan Rice to Manchester United, I believe. Which, at the time, I think we also were kind of, like, saying, like, oh, this is, like, you know, people are going to overpay for Declan Rice and... I'll eat my words on that one because he's, you know, we'll talk about um, West Ham's game later. But like Declan Rice looks like, you know, he's exactly the sort of player that would fill that role pretty nicely for Manchester United or any other team. So I, I just don't think they have, they don't have the right combination of defensive stability in front of the back line, like Manny said, as well as, you know, someone who can play the ball forward. And Fred is just very, he's a very hard worker, but he neither has the technical or the defensive um um prowess i think that that manchester united need and also i just want to bring up the fact that bruno fernandez was acquired in that last what um winter transfer window right um and so you know he came in and had such huge impact on that midfield mainly just assisting goals scoring a ton of penalty kicks but nonetheless still making an impact and i think that kind of you know, when when a team's winning, it kind of it it, it has a way of masking the the the, the true problems uh, of a team, right? Like when when a team's winning, everything's good, right? It's only when they start losing that you start nitpicking and finding out what the issues are. So Bruno Fernandez having the impact that he had uh, when he first joined Man United, I think you know made up for a lot of that as well. Um, and I think that it further just proves the point that. Justin made where if they would have focus, yes, they brought in Veron, but let's be honest, Veron was, has had a history of injuries. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's older now as well, but I think again, what they truly needed and we talked about it was like a true DM, uh, someone that can connect that midfield, that back line that can bring out the ball, pick a pass, you know, and shore up that back line. Um, currently, the closest thing they have to that is McTominay, man, and that's it. Like, he's also been, you know, riddled by injuries uh, in the last seasons as well. So, again, it, it just goes back to, I don't, I don't know uh, if we'll ever see a Declan Rice, to your point, just in there, because we might, you know, 
whoever the next coach takes over, whoever is going to be at the wheel, because we all know it won't be Ole, right? At this time next year, I would be surprised. I would be shocked if we're still talking about Ole at the wheel. Well, maybe if he wins the Champions League, he'll be, he'll still be there. So. <laughs> Okay. I mean, let's kind of talk about like it's like so. We we should talk about a little bit more about the game, but like you know, this is it's just an ongoing saga. It, I, I can't having gone through something similar with Arteta in Arsenal. I can't imagine it's like so torturous to be a fan and have to like relitigate this conversation again and again and again, week in and week out about your head coach and whether they know what they're doing or not. And I always felt like Arteta, like he had a very, like I understood that Arteta did have a strategy. He did have a, a grand plan. And it was just a question about, can he execute on it? And is it the right plan, right? But there was clearly like, he had a, a philosophy behind what he was doing. With Ole, it's like, you know, we were talking about like, they went for Varane, which is like, you know, you can say maybe that's like a luxury signing or it's like, basically he was available. And he's a big name player. Ronaldo, they definitely didn't need Ronaldo, but it's like, you know, he's a Manchester United legend and they panic. It almost felt like, you know, we can't let our enemy, we can't let our, our you know, our enemy go out with our ex-girlfriend. So like we have to, we have to re- rush out and go get Ronaldo because he's available. Um, last summer they went and got Don, poor Donny Van de Beek and like he just is gathering cobwebs on the bench now. Like why did they get him in the first place? It's like clearly like we all knew that the 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 source the the thing that they needed to solve this summer was a defensive midfielder like you know an, an all around like hardworking technically sound defensive midfielder. You forgot and, about the luxurious Sancho signing. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a thank you. Uh, yeah, we a, a team that's like bursting with you know players who for the final third of the field and they went and like yeah get Jaden Sancho just because again uh, he's a big name player he sells a lot of shirts. And like they've been linked with him for so long, they like felt like they needed to close that deal. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it. What is the what is the over like overall strategy beyond like if a big name player becomes available by them? Beyond that, like what is the actual strategy behind these signings and the and like how the team is going to be formed? Uh, give the ball to Ronaldo and hope he scores in the last minute <laughs> of the game. Right. Yeah. That's the strategy now. But do so you. <laughs> I'm wondering, maybe that was, maybe that is the strategy all along. Ole was like, that was his master plan, but I don't know. That's what it has become. All right, so so let's let's move on to to the other uh, team and City. Uh, the reason why I want to talk about them is we saw the display against Crystal Palace. Uh, you know, where they lost 2-0. Um, Crystal Palace, by the way, have. I think I feel like they've won their last few games, so that's good for them. Uh, but um, would you say that their performance, for me, I think the the, the performance in this game, the best so far this season, um, in this game, in this game. But I just what I want to understand, what I want to understand is, is this the best we've seen Manchester City, or is it just a case of they played a team? That was just really bad because I couldn't, I can't really tell if, because Master City looked really solid. And they always look solid to me, but they accept, they looked more exceptional in this game, uh, especially with the link-up play with, with Foden. I mean, what a, Cancelo and Foden and just, just everything was just so pretty. And it's just pretty football. 
Um, but I want to get your thoughts again as people that watch mostly Master T or you know mostly EPL. I I, I don't watch too much as, as much as you both. But uh, was this just just was this just like a match step? Uh, United just being bad or City just really be, being really good? I think it, you can chalk it up to both. Like, United were, have been bad, right? Like, we've been talking about it, have been bad. And um, it's a derby, so they're always going to be really hard fought. Um, I think, you know, as far as, like, City goes, they've been hitting their form. You know, they're currently in second place in in the league as well. But um, I think also, like, Pep's done a, a good job of just managing the squad itself. Um, I was surprised, you know, like, that there was a 100, the most expensive English player was on the bench. He didn't even need him. Like, he, he like, you know, benched them the entire time. Um, and he decided to go with a, a trio of Foden, uh, Bernardo Silva, and... Um, Gabriel Jesus, you know, and, and they've been making it work. Um, I will say that kudos to Pep, that team, for finding out, uh, for figuring out how to play Cancelo and Walker, right? Because, as we know, they were both right backs before City went through some uh, some legal issues. We'll just leave it at that with their left backs, and they haven't necessarily had the best um, luck <laughs> At left back, but uh, I mean, Cancelo has. I I feel like he's excelled more at left back than he has at right back. Than he has at right back. I mean, he's just playing on another level. And I don't know if it's just. I think probably statistically, yes. I think he's just. I I feel like he's either scoring or assisting literally every game that they've played. Um, And then again, they they're back to like being healthy. I think that's what it chalks it up to. Like in the past, we saw a bunch of injuries. We saw there was a time where, you know, their entire midfield, I think, was injured or reeled with injuries, right? Like Rodri, um, you know, Fernandinho, uh, De Bruyne, Gundogan, like they they were all riddled with injury, but they're a healthy team now. Um, and like I said, you know, at the beginning when we made um, – a few months ago, when we made predictions, I, I think they're still the standard, man, in the EPL. Like, and you can see why. Like, you just swap one player for another, and they keep doing what they're doing. Until Pep leaves and comes to Milan to coach our team, uh, let's let's move on to to Liverpool it, West Ham. Inter Inter Milan. <laughs> oh, that would be bad. That would actually be really bad. Um. Anyways, uh, so the other game we want to talk about is West Ham playing Liverpool. Uh, you know, I would say shocker because I, I would, uh, I, I did not expect this from West Ham. Not because I don't think they're a good team. I mean, we've seen them last season. Last season they finished sixth. I knew this team was capable of doing something. I just didn't think they would be at this point. Uh, you know, after eleven or, or ten games. Um, I think the thing that for me is really shocking is the fact that they're playing in in the Europa League and they're doing well there, um, and also still being able to keep the standard here in the EPL. Uh, but I think we we got to start with with um, you know the the for me I think that the Allison own goal. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw it, but um, 
Do, do we think that was a penalty? Uh, no, not a penalty. Was that was that a foul on Allison? Because I, I heard so many uh, conflicting uh, 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 opinions on, on, on that. I, I didn't think that was a foul, right? Did anyone hear? Okay. No. Sounds like, yeah. Okay. Were, you, were, your, cool. uh, were your conflicting opinions from Liverpool fans? Or neutral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just say right. Liverpool fans. Yeah. There's, there's your answer. <laughs> That's my answer. But but I I mean hopefully we can get a, a West Ham fan on the show hopefully next week. But I I want to understand. I'm trying to understand how this team is able to play both competitions. You know, with less money technically, um, and still being able to keep up the pace with with other teams. And and are we thinking that this is a a situation where we see you know smaller teams no offense to West Ham but you know smaller teams doing well in the beginning of the season and then falling off because I feel like with the Europa League they should have fallen off already but they're still going strong so key thing that you said this is after 11 games we there's a lot of games still left to be played so this is the thing West Ham has looked they're the most surprising and the most impressive team so far but like you said, for they are in a new position for these players and for this team, uh, and also for you know, David Moyes also. But like you know, this is like, can you have this consistency week in and week out when you get to week twenty-one, week thirty-one? It's you know, it's a long season, and especially if they go deeper into Europa League once they get to the knockout stages, that's when uh, they're really going to have their metal tested. And we'll find out what they're what they're made of. But so far, they are by far, far and away, in my opinion, the most impressive team uh, of the EPL this season. Hey, Justin, I just want to correct you on that. His name is David Moisaya now. All right, not <laughs> David Moyes. Moisaya. Yeah, right. he deserves it for uh, for, for the mir- for the miracles that he's <laughs> that he's bringing in week in I, and week out with that team. I like said, he deserves it. This is a one of the best redemption arcs. I can think of in in a long time so good for him yeah yeah i completely agree i also want to bring you know just bring something up as far as the signings that they've made i feel i feel like they spent very very well like they haven't gone out and spent um unnecessarily right like the way that we just compared manchester united and doing like exactly they brought in they showed up um on on defense which is what they really needed it paid off this weekend with kurt zuma um, who scored? Um, they have a solid back line. They have also. I don't. I don't know if you if you guys know this, but their backup keeper is Ariola, Alphonse Ariola, who was like, oh, he left Fulham. Yeah, oh, wow. and a few okay. seasons ago, he was at PSG. He was a starter for them, and right. I mean, so like they have quality at these, you know, in these in certain positions as well, right? Like they have some depth. I think what will be interesting is to see because they're in Europa as well is they one will be playing on Thursdays, right? And then seeing how they rotate when their schedule gets to like the heavy part of the season, right? And I'm th- I'm talking about in the EPL uh, the fist, the the festive fixtures that come up where it seems like there's a game every like three to four days. We'll see how how that works out. And at the same time, um, they also, I believe, have uh, a few notable players that will be participating in AFCON as well. 
And so, you know, you factor that in and, and like Justin said, you know, it's still a long season. Um, caution to the wind because I remember, and just for example, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to West Ham, but Aston Villa last season was where West Ham is this season at this point in, in, in time. They were doing really well. They were like in the top half of the, of the league. I want to say like top, top eight for sure, maybe even top six. They were doing really, really well. And let's fast forward. Currently, they are sitting in, I believe, um, 15th place. They just fired their coach. Um, and obviously, they sold Grealish. Even though they spent all that money and reinvested it in players, it hasn't panned out the way they thought it would be. And look at them now. They're, they could be fighting for, for, uh, to stay up. Yeah, well, I, I think you said it already. I mean, it looks like they know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if they have a director of football. It's always an important role. But if they keep making those good decisions, buying Kojima, which I agree is a very huge sign for them, actually, especially after the performance he put last last week. Um, and then Arayola, um, I mean, again, honestly, should, personally should be starting over Fabianski. But I understand Fabianski has been there for a while and, and respects to, to him. That's it for that reason. Um, I think if they just keep making these good decisions, I, I think they're they're going to be good. They got Ben Rama. I mean, he he. I think he's panned out well too. So, um, Justin, do you have anything to say about you? You were going to say something. Uh, shout out to Fabianski, FA Cup final legend for Arsenal. Uh, right. Uh, um, um, but also, yeah, I was just going to say like it's just, it is amazing what having a clearly thought out strategy when it comes to what what you need your team what you want to get out of your team and what you're going to get out of each transfer period like having like targeted like okay we need to fill this x y and z these are the three top priorities and then going out and actually doing it and having a cohesive vision and long-term plan what a difference it makes and it's like they kind of are the anti-man you at this point um in terms of what west ham is doing but like we said, it's the consistency and they're just real quick, their month of, well, from the end of November through to uh, Christmas, like, you know, they, it's no joke for them. Like they're going to have Man City, they're going to have Chelsea, they're going to have Arsenal, and they're going to have Brighton, who have also looked like, you know, one of the surprise teams of this year. And a newly, a newly uh, um, coached uh, Spurs as well at the end of that. That's true. In the EFL Cup quarterfinals, they also yep. have Spurs after yep. Conte has settled in for the past month. So that's it's, right. they, they're going to have a rough run out to the end of this year. Uh, so we'll see what they can do. That is a fair point. But hey, let's let's say, hey, you can only beat the team that's in front of you. And they've beaten most of the teams that, that they've played. I think they've lost only right. one game in the last five that they've played in the EPL. And and in the Europa League, they're, they're top of the table. They're going to qualify unless they really just forget how to play football for the next uh, two games um, or, or three games. Um, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I... We'll see how it plays out. I'm sure we'll talk about them. And, and I would love to have uh, my friend uh, on, on from, you know, a West Ham fan. So kind of, I really, really love to get their perspective. Uh, but real quick, there's, there's no cause for alarm for Liverpool, right? Uh, there's no, like, there was no red flag or anything that, like, stood out to anybody. It was just a 
one of those days where things just didn't work out, right? Well, just reinforcement of something we've always talked about, which is squad depth, where they, the well that they can go to when their first choice players aren't available is not particularly deep, save for up front, where they can always bring on uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Divac Origi, who always always just has like something special that he can pull out in the like the last five ten minutes of a game. He only scores. That, like, he only scores bangers, Justin. That's he right. only scores he bangers. He does, but uh, he did in this game. I thought his goal was great, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, like their midfields, like you know, Fabinho did not look like he was 100. percent He's coming back from injury. Naby Keita still out for injury, so they had to play uh, Ox, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain. Which is role. already when you get to play Ox, honestly. And you should know I mean, this, Justin, yeah. as a as an Arsenal fan, right? When you right. have to, I mean, when, when you're he's already, he's a much different player now than he was even when he was at Arsenal. He's had a, you know, he's had ups and downs in his career, and he's a solid player, but you know, he he's not this, he's not, he's not the first team quality player that they need. Um, so we'll see. You know, Liverpool's also going to have some holes in their squad due to Afcon, some big ones. So we'll see how that works out for them. That's that's the only big warning sign to me is what does Liverpool do when they're missing uh, a couple of first choice players? And I'll actually, I think like the 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 red flag that the only red flag I saw, or apart from you know what Justin just mentioned is uh, the inconsistency of Mane. Um, I just feel like you know yeah. from the it, when we talking about Liverpool and we've seen like what they've produced. In the past, with you know Firmino and um, and Salah and Mane, and even though Firmino last season I think only scored like one goal or something like that, but he contributes in other ways as well. Um, that you know that opens up the plays for those two. But Mane, I feel like just this season he's just been all over the place, and he's missed I think more. I feel like tap-ins this season than I've ever seen him miss in the past. And I don't know if it's just like a confidence issue or uh, maybe he's carrying like an injury. He's not a 100%. Like, you know, we really don't know. Um, I mean, there, there were always the, the rumors um, stemming back from like two seasons ago that, you know, other clubs were interested. And I think at one point he was trying to see if he could go to like some, you know, the likes of Barcelona or Real Madrid or, you know, something along those lines. Whether there's sure. any tr- truth to that or not, um, you know, some it, it just he's not in his best form at the moment. Um, and oh. he had actually like I think he had like one or two. I can, I can clearly remember the one chance at the very end that he had uh, to tie it up. Um, he should have scored and it just went wide. So just want to call that out as well, because uh, Firmino's out. He's injured, which is why he didn't play. And so, I mean like some they got to step up someone has to step up you know sorry justin you were saying no no just yeah i agree with all that it's tied in i think you know these players sala and mane i don't know the exact statistic i actually want to go and look it up how many what's the percentage of minutes of total 90 minutes of epl games going back like three seasons now how many of them have they played have they been on the field for because it must be some outrageous percentage they 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 play week in and week out every single week. And I think sometimes it's good when you're a top club, especially, and you have the players on the bench that when someone's out of form, you can kind of, you know, let's take them out of rotation 
and get their head right and bring them in, get them some substitute appearances and get them back in the form, like the, the right way. But like with Mane, he's, you know, he's on the field no matter what. So that those inconsistencies, they start to become glaring over time. Yeah, and I would say I think Jota has actually stepped up a little bit, not maybe as much as we would love to love him too, but but he has stepped up. But it, you're right. I mean, I agree with you, Manny. You know, it, that first, I'm just cringing every time. It, you know, once there's an injury to either Manny or Salah, then we're, especially Salah, we're talking about like who's going to step in, right? Um, all right. Anyways, I, I do want to talk about Archon real quick. Uh, I, only because uh, you know a huge stat came out just just like kind of was thrown at my face eight wins out of ten um justin as the resident arsenal expert um can you tell us what has changed and you know you know i remember in the beginning arsenal was a joke no offense i mean i we made fun of them on this podcast and i feel bad uh, about that i'm i'm not sure why honestly you're still friends with us but somehow you still are um, but but just now, I'd love you to explain what has changed since the first, you know, what, five games or, or four games or, or that Arsenal played this season. Uh, the the process was trusted. We had to trust the process. There was a process and they let Arteta execute on it. And this is the result. And there's still a lot of And I also like, you know, I was dreading this section of the show because i knew that you put it on the agenda as like because i I don't want to jinx things because we were talking about west ham has a a tough run out to the end of the year arsenal does as well you know they 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 have some tough fixtures coming up um but to answer the root of your question which is what has changed is um arteta's getting everyone he kept on saying and that was the excuse and it felt like an excuse at times was like you know he he needs to get his people he was like he's dealing with you know a squad that's not doesn't can't execute on the game plan that he wants and um this past summer was big in terms of transfers for arsenal and there was a lot of uh disagreement at the time and you know joking from outside the club kind of hand-wringing inside the club about whether these are the right signings, whether we are overpaying, whatever. And so far it's been so good. And they, these, the, the players that came in this summer, especially have been the difference makers, Ramsdale, uh, white now, Nuno Tavares. He's had a great run now that uh, Tierney has been out for a few weeks injured, uh, along with the further development of core Academy players, such as mainly uh, Emil Smith Rowe and also Saka continuing to develop. And getting a lot of minutes and um yeah all these factors combined and this is a much different team both like n- literally a much different team than though that that lined up against you know man city or brentford at the beginning of the year it's like it's different personnel and the the players who are the same like they have they've linked up well with their new teammates and they're like everyone's buying into the vision that arteta is selling to them Definitely, definitely something to watch. And, you know, I think out of all the signs you talked about, I think Ramsdale is the the, the, the winner here because, honestly, huge signing for you all. Um, Manny, it does seem like your eyes are telling me are kind of disagreeing with with Matt, uh, with Justin. So I would love to hear your thoughts real quick. What, what, no, no, what no, no. So I I agree with uh with with what you said. I feel like Ramsdale, I, I said it before too, uh, you know, even though, 
you know, we all laughed and we're like <laughs> 30 million for Ramsdale. Like what a joke. But um, when you compare him to Leno, I mean, it's like night and day, right? Um, and if anybody knows how important a keeper is to their team, it should be me. Right. So um, <laughs> I am one of those that says, you know, that will eat his words on Ramsdale, but I still have my reservations about Arsenal because I'm looking at teams that they've played and they've beaten. Right. So after that men city, you know, drubbing of five nil, they went on and they beat, they beaten the following teams, Norwich relegation, Burnley relegation bound Tottenham, who was, you know, falling apart at the time, uh, drew Brighton, drew crystal palace, beat Aston Villa relegation bound. Um, and I think like the only, I'll, I'll say that the only quality win that they've had has been against Leicester city and a two nil. Um, they went on to just recently beat uh, Watford one uh, zero. Right. But I think the true test of Arsenal and this Arsenal team is right around the corner. And just then let me know what your thoughts are. You guys have when you come back from the international break, you're kicking off that first game against Liverpool. Then you have Newcastle under Eddie Howe. Then you have Manchester United, who may or may not have Ole at the wheel. Then you have Everton, Southampton, and West Ham. Clearly, all those teams that I mentioned are far superior than any of the teams that you guys have beaten in the last no, five that's weeks. That's not true. Brighton, no, no, that's not true. Brighton is better than several of those teams. You guys drew uh, Brighton, Crystal though. Palace. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, but, I mean, then Brighton went out and went to Anfield and tied Liverpool, like, the week after that, I think. So, yeah, these are not – this is – this is going to be a very interesting season. There's so many teams that are still at this stage in the game, like competitive and look like they're very threatening to everybody up and down the table. You know, there's only a few that are really like, you know, stand out like these are bad. These are bad teams. And to be fair, you're right. Those bad teams are those teams like Norwich and Burnley. Um, uh, I don't think Aston, Aston Villa does not fall into that category. I don't think, but like, you know, th there's, so Arsenal have had a few easy matches, like must wins, and they they pulled out the win, even if it wasn't like the most impressive. So that this this run out that you're talking about, like I said, is similar to West Ham. It's going to be challenging, and it will be interesting to see what what Arsenal can do. I mean, it's been an annual tradition for a while now for Arsenal to go to Anfield and get just obliterated. So I'll be happy if they can show up at Anfield after the international break and. Uh, at least make a showing on the field and if they can come away with a draw even that'd be i would be extremely happy with that uh but then after that you know they, they have to beat newcastle manchester united who knows what the heck is going to happen there i mean arteta actually has a very good record against man united uh everton is everton southampton those are both teams that are i think like yo-yoing like in terms of like their consistency and then uh west ham and that will be an interesting game We'll see much can change right. between West Ham and Arsenal in between now and then. All right. Well, enough Arsenal, enough, enough of this. Uh, let's give a shout out to Nick, Newcastle. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a shout out, but I think it's personally, I think it's a mistake. Uh, Eddie Howe is in the, is on the wheel or however you say that. Um, please, please tell me, I mean, 
tell me if I'm uh, if I'm wrong. Who who relegated Bournemouth? Was it was it Eddie Howe? Okay, yeah, after he, all right, I mean, after, all right, after, that, after, that's after, why, after no, he no, kept him up for a number of years, a team that had no right to be in the Premier League, he kept them up for a few years. There. After he brought him back, brought him down, and, and brought him back up again. Only, a coach is only as good as his last record, and and for me, I don't know. I think they how have does Mourinho keep on getting jobs then, Bori? He's he's a well, okay, that's a very good point. You know, I I have no comeback to that. I you know I will just shut up right now. Um. Let's move on from England because I'm tired of talking English. I want to talk some Italiano. The Derby della Madonnina was last, well, yesterday at this point as we're recording. Um, but you know what? I- I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to just keep quiet now and have you both just ask me the questions. Why don't you ask me the question? Tell me what happened or ask me what happened and then I'll tell you what happened. Yeah, why did you guys let go? Uh, why did you let the other, the better Milan team sign your best player from last season? All right, let's talk about that. So, for, for those that may be listening to this podcast for the first time, Hakan Shalanolu has been the bane of my existence. Um, I will tell you this one, Hakan has banned me on Twitter. I, this is no joke because I constantly, especially last season, I could not understand how a player could not complete a pass, right? You know, a player that, that is our number 10, and you know what that means, he's the playmaker of the team, could not complete a simple pass. I mean, the most frustrating player I've ever had to deal with in my lifetime, ever. And I'm not even the coach, right? So you can tell how bad this is. But anyways, my point of my point is, Hakashi used to play for, for Milan. Yes, he had the assist, really all thanks to our other players are just banging them in. Um, But this was big because um, Hakan, first of all, has not started many games for Inter Milan this season. Um, However, Inzaghi, who is the coach of Inter Milan, decided to start him in this this game because I I guess Hakan had a retribution. He he decided, you know what, I'm going to pay back the Milan fans for all the yelling and all the craziness over Twitter and everything. Wait, hold on. Milan fans or you specifically? Well, probably me specifically because. All right, there we go. This was um, personal. This was personal. This man played probably one of the best games he's ever had. Right, right, exactly, and that's no joke. I mean, he did it. I mean, that was a good move by Inzaghi because I, I guess he knew he was going to play uh, the the best game. Um, but I mean, really, the balls he had to one draw a foul in the penalty box, which, by the way, I, we can talk about this all day. If that penalty was in the EPL, it wouldn't even be looked on bar because that's, in in my opinion, not a penalty. The very the very first penalty. The second one's a penalty. I agree. But anyways, so Hakan drew a foul in the box, and then penalty number ten of Inter Milan is Lautaro Martinez. He is the penalty taker. He decided, but he but Hakan decided to take a penalty. Like who in the right mind, okay? Given all the pressure he's under decides to take a penalty against, you know, a plethora of fans that basically hate you for leaving the club and because you didn't want to renew and you wanted a high salary and, and, and whatnot. Anyways, he, this guy took the penalty. And then what happened? He scored. And then what did he do? He celebrated. And the way he celebrated, okay, fine. He celebrated. He slid around the grass. It was kind of a weird celebration, by the way. Jacob kind of pushed him. I don't know. It was weird. But... The key moment here was after the celebration, when they got up to go back 
to the center of the of the of the of the field you know he did that thing where you put your hands behind your ears and say hey i can't i, I can't hear you loud enough that kind of gesture um which honestly was a big mistake from him in my opinion um and and, and for those that don't know in back in 2018 hakan Chanel unfortunately had a situation where his wife cheated on him um unfortunately um so now there's now been the, the derby the milan derby which ended one one and was great i mean i like it, it's sad that people are not talking about the game anymore they like the the sentiment on twitter and instagram from where i understand is everyone's focus is on hakan Shanulu and, and and the essentially the cover suit so the 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 ultras um are sending the message so i i don't know if I, I wish i could share a picture with everyone listening but there is a picture out there of of the ultras sending the message to Hakan Shanlu on the bridge that Hakan can see from his house. And the message, I, I'm, paraf- I'm extremely paraphrasing, paraphrasing here because I can't remember the content, but essentially it was a message to him saying, hey, he celebrated a goal that was not really a penalty or like <clears throat> he scored a penalty when he should be focused on, you know, his his wife that cheated on him it's such a it's a it's a low blow i'm not gonna lie it's a very low blow and i'm not proud that milan fans are doing that but that this is what this has turned to and, and the fact that hakan made this whole thing about his show and wanted to kind of i don't know what he was trying to prove here honestly but trying to prove to the milan fans that we're going to miss him or we miss him or i don't know exactly what's going on um but however I, there's so many positives. I mean, Milan's still unbeaten in Syria. Um, we, we, you know, uh, w- the backup keeper Tata Rushanu, uh made a tremendous save on the second penalty that we conceded, which was a penalty, but but tremendous save. Um, the highlight for me is, I mean, I have to say this, you know, Manny, I'm sorry, but Chelsea were done to sell tomorrow. Right? I mean, what a player! I mean, this guy is our defense. I mean, without this guy, our defense is nothing, right? Um, of course, we have Kair, but this guy is just solid. It's very solid. When you go to the midfield, you talk about um, uh, Tonali. Sandro Tonali, the future of Italy, first call for, for Italy, by the way, uh, this international break. I mean, what, like, this guy is Gattuso. I mean, he, he has the shades of Gattuso. Um, I'm not going to say he's the next Gattuso because every time I say that, I jinx the player. So he's not the next Gattuso, but he's playing like Gattuso phenomenal player um but i mean those are the the, the standouts for the game for me i mean i i mean everything else was just the, the antics and everything outside of the game which was unfortunate but i mean milan still unbeaten uh, syria is very interesting this season I, i'm really sad that ronaldo left because honestly the syria i've not seen syria this competitive since i've been watching syria uh let, let's put it that way um Manny, is there anything that stood out to you? I mean, what, what a fantastic game, right? Yeah, I want to I wanna give a round of applause to Hakan Chalinaglu, the best player on that pitch uh, in that, in yeah, that right. match. Yeah, right. I, I just want to say, <laughs> say the same way that, that Chelsea made a mistake selling Tamori, I think you guys made a mistake letting that guy go. <laughs> There's no way. There's and, no way. And, no- I, I, and personally, I'll, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him a message tonight after we're done. Uh, recording here, and I'm gonna send him a personal link, invite to possibly join us on this show sometime in the near future, so you guys can talk this out. 
All right. I would, dude. That would that would literally. I I would love it because I would love to understand what's going on in his head. I mean, Hakan is just so bad. I mean, seriously, this is a guy that plays with confidence. It, it's like, I I don't understand. It. The other thing that actually stood out in this game is also the refereeing. And and here's here's one thing I want people that don't watch Syria to really take a note. If you ever get a chance to watch Syria sometimes this season. Just watch how many bad calls and how many soft penalties are actually called. I mean, I always yell at the English refs for making stupid calls and, and the worst calls in the world. But I'm actually thinking like English refs are like gods to me right now because it's really baffling. It doesn't matter what you do. You maybe maybe if you touch a player with your finger in the penalty box and they fall, it's a penalty. That's how bad. The penalty calls in Italy are, and you know what's what makes it really bad? Um, the game Milan played with Roma, we got some we got some questionable calls like that went in our favor, unbelievable. The week before that, the Italian FA, the referees, they met to discuss that. Hey, this is a problem. We're calling too many easy fouls. We should be using VAR more. We should be, you know, be calm before we make a decision. All those kind of things, but that seems to even Maybe it sounds like people just went in there and they had their earphones on and didn't listen to any of what was said in that in those meetings because I cannot understand how these calls are being, you know, being made. Like I don't know why. And, and let me tell you why this is very impactful because one thing you will notice when you see Italian Italian teams play in the Champions League, one they fall a lot because it draws a foul every time in in Syria. You, seriously, anyone, even a fan on the end can fall and they will still call the foul for that for that team, right? That That's how bad it is because it's, it's really, they call it so easily, any small thing they call it, right? And that's kind of affecting Milan I've seen in the Champions League and other Italian teams because they fall easily and then they don't get the calls or they don't get the penalties that they normally do. And, and they, they're not playing a game anymore. They're just diving, essentially. And it's really it aggravates me so much. Um, but I gotta say kudos to to the English to to the English uh, uh, league because before the league started, they, I, I remember I think the PGMOL or whatever they're called, they said they weren't going to be calling easy fouls. It's a contact sport. They're going to be playing. You know, most of the fouls are not going to be called, and they're not even foul. Honestly, some of these things are not fouls, but. Kudos to the English. I, I never thought I would say this in in a million years, but kudos to the English refs for for always being easy on on the foul calls. Um, but just aggravating to see what's going on in Syria with with all the fouls. Anyways, I I will stop. I will stop yelling and 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 um, cussing at everybody and and just you know being angry. Um, hey Bori, I think you might want to rethink that uh that that everything you just said because uh, I'm looking at stats. You know just from last year, Milan got an extra six penalties awarded in their favor right. last se- last season. Right, right. That's part of what I'm saying, though. That like, yes, it was it, it went in our favor, but I think it's it, it's hurting us right now in the Champions League because if you see us playing, we're just falling at every little touch, and and that's not helping anybody because the refs are calling our bluffs. They're not giving us penalties, the rightful penalties, um, because. All of us are just falling. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Milan did get a ton of penalties last season. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna act like that's not uh, that's not true. So you don't have to you don't have to show me. Um, 
show me that. Um, all right. Anyways, I, I'm going to I'm going to move on from this topic. Uh, uh, Napoli is doing well, by the way. If anyone is is curious, they're doing very well. Uh, Victor Semen, I think the best thing that's happened to Nigeria, uh, frankly, in 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 many years because he's such a joy to watch. Um, so if you get a chance to see Napoli, I would recommend seeing them because they play like like the Napoli that we know from back in the day. Uh, I do want us to to talk about La Liga. Uh, I think. The only news here is with Barcelona. First of all, can we talk about Asafati? He's injured again. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dembele also injured, uh, although I don't think it's going to be for too long, but has to be a sad moment for Dembele. I can't even imagine how he's feeling uh, mentally, right? How can somebody get so injured so, so often and just, I mean, he was he was out for, what, three or six months, something like that, and now he's injured again? Has to be man. Men- this sounds like I, hmm, I feel like one of us made this oh that's right I made this call didn't I say this didn't I go. say before there this guy go. even stepped on look I said it I said it once I'll say it again death taxes Dembella injury all right that order it always happens man like I and, and again like but you do bring up a good point Bori as far as like the injuries that have happened and occurred at Barcelona not just this season, but over the past few seasons, like there has to be something going on with that medical staff, right? Like that training staff. Like I just feel like, uh, you know, as as far as like injuries go, Barcelona always or, or just La, or just La Liga teams in general just seem to have uh, like a high number of injuries, like reoccurring injuries at, at that as well. Like not just Barcelona, but I'm thinking about Real Madrid as well. I mean, like, you think about all the players that come in, that come out, they're always injured. Like, is there something, like, with the medical staff? Like, you know, you you just made me, like, maybe it's something that we got to look up or research as well, but uh, a team can't be this unlucky, right? I just feel like it can't. Like, Barcelona is pretty much down to, like, the (laughs) – they're playing. That's why they're they've been doing. I mean, it's contributed, yes, Coleman's tactics or lack Gavi. of. But I feel like all the players that seem to start hitting their stride or getting in form suddenly just are out again. And so it'll be interesting to see with Xavi, with the appointment of Xavi, like what happens. I don't know, uh, you know, as far as like the medical staff, if that's something when a coach is appointed, if he brings that that with him too or if he has a say in that but um he knows the club inside and out right so i'm sure that his word will go much further than coleman's ever did yeah justin were you gonna say something no no i was just gonna say like um yeah but i mean what manny's saying just reminds me of kind of like uh, arsenal had a period of time in the mid 2010s where like it just seemed like all their promising prospects just kept thinking injuries. And it was like Jack Wilshere, uh, Ramsey uh, actually had some injury problems. Theo Walcott like lost his pace because of injury. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yep. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Hector Bayeron later on. Uh, but the player that I really thought of when we think of how unfortunate Dembele situation is, is Abu Diaby, who was a super promising uh, midfielder kind of in a Patrick Vieira mold. Uh, but he 
picked up an injury early in his career. And then just from that point on, it was just all downhill, just injury after injury, come back, start performing again. And then within like five, six games, he'd be out again with injury. And unfortunately, I, I cross my fingers that this is like you said, board, maybe this is a short one and he'll be back again and can be find a stable place in the squad. But I, I just have a sinking feeling that his career is getting plagued in the same way that uh, Diaby and some other players in the past has been by injury and just like derailing their their very promising careers. Uh, Justin, well, I thought you were going to say Joel Campbell. Oh, <laughs> God. Where is he now? I would like to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that's uh, what, what you were going to say when you started saying the most promising <laughs> talent. <laughs> I, I do want to call out something. So, so with with Savi's appointment, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. We can we can we really hash out what what's coming back? Because I mean, there's a lot of hype with this. Um, we know what's coming back. It's it's what? the return of Tiktaka. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the fans. The fans that are that too. Back. <laughs> more importantly, oh more God. importantly to Barcelona's board is yeah. Uh, fans paying for tickets at the gate is the That's most right. important thing. We might actually see 50% capacity this this next game. Like oh, who no, knows? it's gonna be it's gonna be let's like let's not even joke. It's gonna be rocking in the stadium again. It, I think just the appointment of Xavi is gonna bring a different it's it's a it's a restart button. It's the biggest restart button you could press uh after the Kuman era. It's is to bring in the legend uh Xavi Hernandez. And also let's just you know, uh, this is my personal opinion, but a pretty good coach at that. You know, he doesn't have a great deal of experience. He's been in Qatar, but like, I think that if you, like I mentioned before, like if you watch like the highlights of the team that he used to manage there, uh, Al-Sad, you can see the Barcelona DNA and how they play. So I, I think it it is, exci- it is an exciting appointment and I'm just hoping that it turns out okay, because this is a man who has such a legacy at this club. And I'm wondering, and uh, wondering what you two think. Is he, is this, is he gonna burnish his legacy and like kind of make himself a, you know, top three greatest Barcelona players, managers, figures of all time, or is he putting his whole legacy at risk and at jeopardy coming in to manage this particular Barcelona squad? I'm glad you asked that because I think, I think. This is going to elevate Xavi in a different lens. I think he, here's the thing. Sure, maybe maybe uh, uh, Barcelona wouldn't get the results that they want. Maybe they wouldn't make Champions League this season. Definitely not going to win Champions League this season either. Um, and and definitely not going to win the La Liga. Yeah. So 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 I think people will understand that. Okay, maybe this is a rebuild. They, they need to go back to the drawing board and no go back to the basics. The Barcelona DNA, which is tiki taka, right? And, and 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 the reason why I'm saying this is Johan Cruyff used to coach Guardiola. Guardiola became became a player player, uh, became a coach and was coaching the air where you no know, Messi near star Xavi. So definitely I'm sure Xavi has learned and the fact that like to your point, the way Al Sad has played, the, the coach that Xavi used to coach before, um, the fact that he is able to instill that into that team who does not who has not played in La Masia or don't have the Barcelona DNA. The fact that they able to play some kind of resemblance of Tiki Taka shows that, or already gives us a, a prelude to what we're gonna get when Xavi starts. And I think 
one thing that everyone doesn't realize right now is if somehow Barcelona is able to get that that tiki taka style play again, um, and I think the difference here will be they won't have any, a, a Messi, but arguably we'd say even without Messi they would have been fine. They would have won trophies, but maybe not as many. Um, at least back in the you know in those days when when Guardiola and Iniesta and Javi were there. Um, I think we're going to get the the real the, the Barcelona that we know again. And that Barcelona that we know is ruthless. You don't touch the ball. You can't high press them because they'll play through the press because that's how, that's what they know. And, and I know Xavi is the man because I feel like that's what they teach them in La Masia. Uh, so the, so I think the, the huge win for, for, for Barcelona here is they can focus now on homegrown players. They don't need to spend a lot of money to go and find... Holland or or any other player that's going to you know that that that's going to cost them a hundred plus million, um so so I, I think that is the win here and and I think and I hope that Barcelona fans will realize you don't have Messi anymore to bail you out and it's time to just rebuild, um and and I think he Xavi is respected well enough to be able to instill that discipline on this set of players and I think the limits. The sky's the limit, right? Because I I can't wait to see in two two three years to see what what this team will become. Um, uh, so so that that is my opinion of what's going to happen with Xavi. Do we have? I was actually wondering, like, so a couple of things from what you just said, Bori. Like, I I think that is the strategy and the plan, and I'm just wondering how long it's going to take to do it because. Uh, La Masia is also is not what it once was. I don't think. I think it's also been perhaps gutted in terms of personnel. There's been a lot of turnover, not just in the first team, but in Barcelona B squad, in the academy. Like there's been some, there's been turmoil all up and down this club. And so I don't think, you know, uh, the La Masia that Xavi um, graduated from is much different and much depleted from from what it is today. Yeah, yeah that, that that makes sense. I think Barcelona's problem is is mainly it's mainly defense, if I'm being honest, um, because you know so 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 I would trust that maybe maybe they will they will they will show up that place whether it's from getting people in, in from La Masia and maybe Xavi can just train them up and, and just figure that out. Um, midfield is going to be the best, right? And that's the the core of Barcelona, right? We have players like Gavi, Neko, um, we still have Busquets there. We have uh, Frankie de Jong. Um, so, so we're talking about players that, that will definitely be able to play, play this way because they're playing this way in Spain. Well, Gavi specifically here and Busquets. Um, so, so my point of saying this is, I, I see what you're saying. I think the talent is there. Um, I just think they just need to have the right mindset. And, and I know that La Masia is not, it's not the same anymore, but you can't tell me, out of all the people in La Masia, they cannot find one or two good defenders. Uh, and then maybe, you know, let's say you get rid of Dembele and you get rid of, of Coutinho, then find, you know, one or two forwards, right? Um, they should be able to produce that. They should be. And then worst case, in two, three years, when your finances are, are, are better, then maybe you can you can go for a marquee signing and, and, and get somebody that would comp- really complement this team. So, um yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on, on, on La Masia's, uh, you know, 
right want, uh, downfall but I, I think I, I think we're we're talking about a coach that definitely can bring out the the best out of people and I think this is the oh right, yeah I'm the, the right person I, I I agree like I said I, I think Javi can we'll see you know we'll see but I, I think that he has the qualities to bring out the best um in his squad but um, I mean Manny what do you think do you think how how short a leash is Javi gonna or like how long does Javi have, let's say, to turn this team around? Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about this, and recently, as far as parallels that we could find with Xavi coming back, I think about Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I think about I, Pirlo at Juve. Reichard. Right? I was Reichard. thinking of Reichard at Barcelona in the 2000s. Barcelona, right. Um, I think about Arteta at Arsenal. Wait, oh no, no, that guy's still there. Hold on, I take that back. Uh, but oh gosh, the, the point is, the point is that I think whether he succeeds right away or not, Barcelona really cannot. They don't have the luxury of letting him go and finding someone else. Like I think for the foreseeable long-term future, he is his job is safe. Like realistically let's be honest like what can he possibly do this season right he he ha- he doesn't have signings the signings that he wants um it, you know we're already what like a dozen games in or whatnot into the season um how much can he really change the team the culture we'll just see i think like it really just comes to down to how broken that culture is like for the players uh we've seen before what uh plenty of examples where a coach comes in and even though it's just a quote-unquote honeymoon phase it does make a huge impact on the players just the mentality um even just the atmosphere at the club you know in the locker room having someone of Xavi's stature his you know uh, experience everything that he's won. He truly is a club legend. He was, you know, the captain for the most dominant Barcelona team in the history of, you know, of sports. Like he, he was the captain there. You know, it wasn't like an Iniesta. It wasn't a Messi. It was, it was him. So he has all that experience, and he probably has the backing as well. But to me, like I said. Financially, Barcelona are nowhere near um, a position to think of, you know, letting him go within this year or next year. Like they have, they're in a true rebuilding phase. Like that's that's really what this is. And um, I think if he gets them into a European spot, I'm not even saying like top, like Champions League, like top three, top four. If he gets him into a European spot, like I think that he will have um, achieved um, what he got brought into to do. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the next winter or or summer transfer window who they can offload. Because again, the problem that Barcelona are in today is because they have given out massive contracts to these injury ridden players that they have on their, on their squad. And it's not easy to get rid of those players um, at all. Even if a team is willing to pay um, 
a lot of oftentimes like these players, good luck trying to find a player that will take a pay cut. Yeah. They're trying to uh, negotiate, extend the billet, but you know what that means. Extend the billet, but with a significant reduction in salary. I mean, um, I, I, one last thing I'll say is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if this team is so broken that Xavi actually, like, figures out a way to play, like, player coach. He's like, all right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> there's only... That would probably help them out. I'm there's sure only, I think he'll probably put in a pretty good... A, a good shift I yeah you know he's like at this point he's like listen there's only one way to do things right and it's like doing <laughs> things right about it. yeah it's it's well let's not well that didn't go so well because uh <laughs> you, you know they're in a way worse shape uh now but um no, that's I, I not mean, good to him yeah exactly don't 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 uh i guess um compare him to rooney but um again like i said the the good thing is they have time they brought him in right before the international break um Barcelona doesn't have a lot of players that are being called up to the national teams like that's just uh, I guess uh an example of like how bad they've been doing like their players are being overlooked by the national squads um you know so he'll at least have time only this time around though like Eric Garcia and and, uh, Ansvati are injured so obviously they can't join but um I would say that Real Madrid are, are more snubbed than, uh, which is, is weird because they're doing better. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, just wanted, sorry, just wanted to call that out. But um, is there anything else you wanted to say about Xavi? I mean, I, I, I can't wait to see the first game. That's all. I, I, I hope we can get some ticket tackle because that's that's what I live for. Right? For for the Farmers League, uh, this is a big deal. <laughs> I, I, I feel you, though. I mean, like, this is the first time. This is the first time i felt excited this season i think like uh there's a a liga game that i'm going to be looking forward to seeing like the even like the classical we talked about this a couple episodes ago like it kind of came and went and i wasn't even like particularly jazzed about it uh but i certainly am going to tune in to javi's first game in charge yeah and just a just a reminder for for everyone uh that first game is that Saturday coming back from the international break. And uh, <clears throat> it's actually not an easy game. It's the old uh, Barcelona. It's a derby. It's against Espanol. Oh, it's Espanol. It's their oh, okay. local neighbors. So, okay. yep. So, again, those things are always hard fought. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see who is um, available, what the squad, what he picks you know, who he picks to start in that game as well, so. Awesome. Uh, well, because of time, I think we're going to cut it off here, but thank you so much, our listeners, for listening. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google, um, and we'll see you hopefully next week. If not, we'll see you the week after.